Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Let's go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline and welcome Jake Fisher to Wesson Walker, also the author of Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever, senior NBA reporter of Yahoo Sports, now joining us to talk more about the Charlotte Hornets. Jake, thank you so much for the time, man. How are you doing? Doing well, guys. How are you? We're doing well. We're trying to make sense of what the Charlotte Hornets are going to do. And since you're an expert on this, hell, you're the author of Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. Mitch Kupchak was adamant when speaking to media yesterday that this was not a complete rebuild, okay? He thinks a rebuild is when you start from scratch. And so knowing about the tanking the way that you do, is that a fair assessment? Like, would you call what the Hornets are about to do a rebuild, or would you do the whole retooling thing when describing the Hornets? I think that no matter what you call it, they've been rebuilding for the last couple of years. They have... They already have the, the results of what a rebuild is designed to do. You want to get multiple top five draft picks and have them grow together with the hope that they will become what Shea Gildas Alexander and Chet Holmgren and Jalen Williams and those guys are doing down in OKC. You're hoping that you just get one guy who becomes as good as Joel Embiid, like Stan Hanky did in Philadelphia or with Boston. You know, people forget. The Celtics traded KG and Paul Pierce the same night that the hinky process started in Philadelphia and Boston for being bad and having that trade with Brooklyn. They drafted Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, both in the top three. So that's the type of goal that a team does take when you decide to bottom out. Your, your hope is that you have those talents that can lift you back to winning. And Charlotte does already have two in place that they believe really are cornerstone type guys on the mellow ball and brandon miller that's jake fisher who you can find on twitter too by the way at jake l fisher if you are interested in that book go to his twitter profile and there's a link there triumphbooks.com you can click on that link and it takes you to the exact place that you can purchase uh <laughs> built to lose how the nba's tanking era changed the league forever all right just wanted to make sure people knew about that because now i want to go into the charlotte hornets jake where Mitch Kupchak, I know you talked about this a little bit in an interview yesterday where the message is out on the Charlotte Hornets front. They're willing to deal in a way that they have not done at previous NBA trade deadlines. Uh, Was that message directed by new ownership and then Mitch Kupchak brought that out there? Or is this just something that Mitch realizes what the writing on the wall is and that you need to make moves now? You know, I don't know the specifics of what's happening day to day, but I can definitely tell you from all of my conversations that the new ownership is very involved and that this has been a kind of a, a first year, not a first season, like a full, a full first 12 operating months of, of a business for Gay Plock and Enrichnall to assess how the leadership works in this, in this type of industry, you know, different than other sports and different than other you know, multi-billion dollar businesses and organizations that have a ton of employees I think they've sat back and asked questions and are now starting to take the reins a little bit and make some things happen here. So obviously Mitch is still involved. You know, he's not uh, talking to the press if, if he wasn't. But I, I do think there's 
clearly an influence and a presence from new management. And there's also clearly been a goal so far of trying to create financial flexibility moving forward to, to have freedom and wiggle room to take some necessary changes that I don't necessarily think there's like a direct seven point plan of what Charlotte's trying to do right now, but they're clearly having talks about Gordon Hayward and they're hoping that there could be retrade value for Kyle Lowry. And there has been further messaging that the horns are going to keep dealing with uh, a continued goal of keeping that financial flexibility where, you know, Lowry's deal that they got back for Terry Rozier was an aspiring contract compared to the three plus seasons left on Terry's agreement. And then, Jake, when you talk about some owners, some owners are in it for profit. They don't care about the win. So is it safe to say with you saying that this ownership is giving the directives here that this is going to be a group that's going to be aggressive, that they want to get the Hornets on the winning track? Yeah, it sounds like these guys have been kind of preparing themselves to run a team dating back to when they were minority figures with the Atlanta Hawks. And I think you're seeing it with... Matt Ishbia in Phoenix, you're seeing it with the Haslam family in Milwaukee, who are now part of the ownership group there with the Bucks. They're obviously just fired Adrian Griffin yesterday, and has made that's a move that just obviously screams out championship robust expectations. Like a lot of these new owners are coming in with the goal of throwing around money to compete, and the league in general is pretty you know, considered pretty wide open right now. There's no Golden State, Cleveland, four years meeting in the finals. Just been a new champion of the last five straight season. So I think there's a pretty widespread like overall goal of teams pushing chips in the middle and trying to get a championship, you know, accomplished. But I think with Charlotte with Charlotte in particular, yeah, I do think this is a this is a group that has real designs on being smart and efficient and productive and, and building something that's a sustainable winner for the long term. And so, Jake, with, with that said, when you look at Melo and Brandon Miller, and then if you want to include Mark Williams as one of those cornerstones, we're not sure what's going to happen with Miles Bridges. Is the objective of the Hornets, uh, in your opinion, and from what you've heard, to add a, a third star through the draft, or do they want to find uh, some vets and kind of change around the locker room that way and find another star that's already established? Yeah, like I was saying earlier, I don't necessarily think there's like a clear cut we we're doing these trades now to then have this come up this summer mm-hmm. and then next trade deadline, we can do that. I think Charlotte's main goal in, in the interim is just moving off on some of these long-term salaries, trying to get back or not even just long-term, just the bigger numbers, you know, Gordon and, and Kyle are both 30 million expiring contracts. Um, you know, PJ Washington has a lot of value out there. Even though I don't think he's like necessarily, uh, a, a bad deal or like any type of albatross that the team thinks I need to shed. But I think just the opportunity to send out veteran talent and recoup any type of draft capital while creating perhaps even more financial flexibility, it's just going to give the Hornets general pathways that they didn't have previously. Like before the Terry Rozier deal, for example, Miles Bridges' name has been coming up in trade talk, but being with that, there's been some pretty general skepticism I'd say around the league that the Hornets are going to even be able to retain him next, you know, this off season where now all of a sudden they have uppers of $45 million in cap space. And that suddenly makes bringing back Miles Bridges like a far more realistic outcome for Charlotte. Jake Fisher joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, talking about the Charlotte Hornets uh, at the trade deadline, how they'll operate. 
Jake, how are they going to handle some of the veterans? I know you mentioned the demand for Gordon Hayward and uh, just what it might be out there on the market. Same thing for Kyle Lowry, too. What is the demand for both of those vets in Gordon Hayward and Kyle Lowry? You know, what's definitely working in Charlotte's favor, which is something that I saw Mitch Kupchak said during his press conference, is that the new CBA where teams who are over the first tax apron paying into the luxury tax are unable to sign players on a buyout who are making over the mid-level exception, which is around $12 million this year. So for both Gordon and Kyle, if a team really wants him, they're going to have to trade him if they're over the apron. But that's not going to be the easiest salary figure to match. So we'll see if that actually happens. But historically, when teams, you know, I think back to Andre Drummond a few years ago, the, the Cavaliers acquired him from Detroit, hoping they could just get him for a second-round pick. And no team was willing to do that because, lo and behold, the trade deadline passed, and then he got a buyout, and there was like four teams bidding for Andre Drummond services. So I'm not so optimistic for charlotte circumstances that they're going to be able to get anyone to, to buy and to, to get on the hook being that there there is that, that likelihood that plenty of teams even though the ones in the apron aren't going to be able to sign them on the buyout now philly for example kyle larry that's where he's from he played college ball there he's got connections to nick nurse from toronto and daryl morey from houston i just I, I don't think philly's going to be giving up too much assets when it comes to that being that they'll, they'll have expectations that They'll have a good chance of getting him, but some team could swoop in and make a last-ditch effort, that's for sure. Is there any chance the Hornets could do something unexpected uh, by the trade deadline, by trading someone we don't expect them to trade, or maybe trying to get in on one of the top targets of free agency, like a, a Donovan Mitchell who they missed out on before? No, I mean, to me, nothing would really be so unexpected outside of them parting ways with, one of those kind of core three guys that you mentioned earlier, LaMelo, Brandon Miller, and Mark Williams. I think anything outside of those three guys moving and shaking in Charlotte, I think the league and uh, myself, I'm I'm definitely prepared for for those types of moves to happen. Jake, last thing for me, I, I know that you also mentioned that not only is the Charlotte Hornets message out there that they're ready to deal at the trade deadline, but also that the NBA's understanding, as at least as it stands right now, is that this will be Mitch Kupchak's last year with Charlotte. At least that's the assumption. If that is the case, if this is the last year for Mitch Kupchak at the helm, what are some names out there that might be considered as the Hornets' next GM? You know, I, I don't want to say any specific names because I don't want that to inadvertently hurt someone's chances at getting that job because I think this is a sensitive subject being that there's a guy in place and we're talking about a potential future that doesn't include him. But one thing I'll say is that there's been some talk about several people who have Duke ties and Duke connections based off of that type of connection from, from the ownership group. So there, there are plenty of executives in the league who have been uh, candidates, let's say, at recent positions that, that fit that bill and guys who are number two guys around the league who are looking for an opportunity that are, are connected to that school and that program that I would definitely keep an eye on. All right, that's Jake Fisher. Find him on Twitter, at Jake L. Fisher. You can also find his content as a senior NBA reporter for Yahoo Sports. And don't forget to go check out his book, Built to Lose, How the NBA's Tanking Era Changed the League Forever. If you go to his Twitter profile, there's a link there where you can find that book. Jake, thank you so much for the time, man. We really appreciate all the insight. Thanks, Jake. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for the hospitality.